Well, he got the old guy again. <laughs> the, our new associate minister is pretty enthusiastic, if you haven't noticed. Uh, hard to keep up with him. So, We've been going through the book of Ephesians, and we're studying uh, on being the church. Today we're going to be talking about be the church that speaks truth. It's, it's an interesting idea to, to live in the truth. And I, we really want to challenge you today to think about what that really means to, to actually walk and live in the truth of God. Of course, to do that, there's several things you need to do. You need to be in His Word. You need to be about prayer. You need to be about fellowship, too. We need each other. We need to be a part of this body and to share and to help each other through the hard times and to celebrate the good times with us, each other and to praise God for all of it, to know that God is with us. But do you ever find yourself thinking, uh, nothing ever changes? Sometimes we think, you know, uh, my life just seems to be one challenge after another. Many times we find ourselves thinking like that. That enters our mind and it causes us to stop and, and take a, a thought that maybe doesn't take us to the best place, the most healthy place. Because Ephesians makes something very clear in Ephesians 4, at verse 24. It says, uh, put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And that leads us into the passage that we want to talk about today. And the reason I brought that up is because our passage today begins with therefore, and we need to know why it says therefore. It says that we're a new creation, we're a new man. God's done that. If you're a Christian, God has changed you. You're not what you were before. So in verse 25, it starts like this. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who is in need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed in the, for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So, to, so speaking the truth will change your life. Now, I don't know about you, but I find these passages in Ephesians to be very, very challenging. Uh, there, there's a fact about the church that's presented, and then there's always the challenge of dealing with who we are and what we're like, and it's no different here. It talks here about speaking the truth with your neighbor, but then it goes into the idea, don't be angry, don't sin, you know, 
be graceful, be forgiving, all of those things that, that we, I believe, struggle with from time to time. So we're, we're going to challenge ourselves here to think about this in a different way. We're, we're going to challenge ourselves to try speaking the truth to one, to not one another with the confidence that it will change our life. Now, why would I say there was a need for that? Well, I just want you to stop and think about your own thoughts. <laughs> you know, I can't get in everybody's head. I, can be, I have enough time getting into my own head and trying to figure myself out. But I, I realize that my thoughts are often wrong. How about you? My reactions are often wrong. So where we want to begin with this is that we begin to understand the power of truth by telling ourselves the truth. Telling yourself the truth. And I believe we lie to ourselves when oftentimes we don't really see ourselves as God intended for us to be. We don't really understand that God is giving us the tools we need to follow him, to walk with him, to, to find victory, to find success, and to understand what he really wants from us. We, we look here in Psalms 51 and verse 6, it says, Behold, David speaking to God, he says, Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. God does desire that. God wants us to, to have truth in the inward parts, to speak the truth to ourselves. He says, and in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. See, as we, as we speak the truth to ourselves, then we begin to understand the wisdom of God. Have you ever noticed that when you tell yourself, you know, I really messed up. I really made a mistake. Or I need to, you know, as you're sitting at the communion table and you think, you know, I need to change that. I need to examine that and realize that, Lord, I, I made a mistake. And you just lay it at his feet. And, and, and the Holy Spirit just ministers to your heart and he tells you, you know, I know that. And you can be different and you can live the truth. But you've got to begin by telling yourself the facts. And you've got to understand something that, I think many people don't understand in this world. Many Christians don't even understand it. I think most of us struggle with it from time to time of really grasping the fact that God really does love you. Psalm says that we're the apple of his eye. Well, what does that mean? You, you know, what? have you ever asked yourself, what does it mean to be the apple of someone's eye? We say that, you know, Donna and I just celebrated 45 years of marriage yesterday. And I haven't always been the apple of her eye, <laughs> but I hope I am. You know, what does that mean? Just, I'm a simple man. It's right there, the center of your vision. You know, have you ever seen your face in someone's eye? You can do that sometimes if the, if the light's just right. You can see it. It reflects back to you. The apple of your eye. 
you're right in the center of God's vision. He cares about you. He loves you. But sometimes we don't tell ourselves that. We don't, we don't really accept that. We don't understand that God means what he says, that he loves us with all he has. And we, and we have the, the same things that we say over and over again. Jesus came and he died for me to save me from my sins, which is the absolute truth, but yet sometimes we don't believe that he did. You ever catch yourself there? You ever catch yourself thinking, well, I messed up so much that he could never care about me, that he, he could never love me? Well, what does Psalms 139 say about that in verse 13? It says, for you form my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eye, I saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. See, God has loved you before you were even born. Can you believe that? Do you understand that? That he actually has loved you that much and that he cares for you in that way. And so sometimes we just can't accept that God really cares for us. But the first step of really receiving everything that God has is to tell ourselves this one fact that we don't always want to do. And that is we've sinned. That we, we've made a mistake and, and we have always walked with God. And you know what? That doesn't end once you become a Christian. There, there's times where you're just not going to walk with God. And if we're telling ourselves the truth, we're not, we're not there. We have to face that. We have to realize that God will, is faithful. He loved us while we're yet sinners. He loves us still. He loves us now. But we have to understand a need to accept that. That, that we really need Him 1 John 1, 8 through 10 says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. See, we're sinners. We've all sinned. And we still make mistakes, even though we're saved by the blood of Jesus, that, we, that we're walking with Jesus. We, we still make mistakes. But the fact of the matter is that we're sinners. We're saving. Every one of us here was worth it. God sent his son to save us. We were worth it to him. How much value does that give you? But yet, can you tell yourself the truth about it? Or do you find yourself kind of vacillating around? Is it real? 
Does he really love me or not? See, he does love us. But because we get all twisted up, we begin to rationalize bad behavior. One of the worst rationalizations that Christians can make is that I do some things wrong, but others have done worse. You ever catch yourself thinking, well, yeah, I know I made a, made a mistake. A better way to realize is God forgive me for making a mistake, for doing what's wrong, and knowing he will. But instead we say, well, that's not really that big of a deal. Other people have done a whole lot worse than that. And so we rationalize our behavior. You know, the truth of the matter is, I know most of you guys. The fact is, I can't get in your head, so I don't know what you're thinking, and I know what, don't know everything you've ever done, but I believe you haven't done anything really, really horrible. I don't, I don't know that. See, I can't know that. But if you're telling yourself that, I, that what I've done isn't as bad as someone else, you're lying to yourself. Because the result of what we've done, whatever sin that might be, is the same. We have to be under the blood of Christ to be forgiven. But the fact of the matter is, I don't care what you've done. I know that if you'll turn to Jesus Christ, he will forgive you. So don't lie to yourself about it. He will. And he'll set your feet on a path and Maybe that path isn't always the easiest one because sometimes there's some things you have to do yourself to make things right with others. But Christians in particular should not lie. It's a character trait that should be taught to our children and our grandchildren no matter what. Do not lie. Do not lie to yourselves. See, Jesus defines himself in, in the realm of truth. John 14, 16, 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Notice the word truth. Christians need to walk in that realm of truth. And this truth that, that God offers us, that, that he tells us to walk in, he, he works to make sure that we understand it and that we're equipped to get it. He'll help us with walking that way. Do you believe that? Do you believe that when you've messed up, you can turn to God and he will help you? In Psalms 100, verse 5, it says, For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endures to all generations. It's everlasting. It endures to all generations. When he says he will forgive you, he means it. So what's the challenge then? you got to believe it too. you got to accept it too. And you got to tell yourself the truth in those situations. Because... The truth brings protection for us. The truth guides us away from error. That's why we talk about reading the Word of God. There, the Word of God gives us truth. It reveals truth. It, it shows us how to live. The, we can't find truth in the world around us. It's not there. 
because everyone has their own idea of what it is. We need to base our truth on what the Bible says. And that alone, and you can't do that by walking into a church once a week for an hour. You need to, you need to be in the Word. Every one of us needs to be in the Word of God and, and looking for the truth that it reveals. Because that truth takes us away from mistakes. And the other thing that I think is so powerful about the Word of God that, that sometimes we fail to recognize is we don't have to make every mistake. I used to be a youth minister way, 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 way back when. Some of you, there might be one of you here or two that remember that. But, but one of the things that, that we really got to get across and that I always try to get across with my youth group is you don't have to experience all the mistakes that other people make. We don't have to, as adults, experience everything to understand that it's wrong. The Bible is there to help us understand uh, David's mistake, you know, uh, the mistakes Paul made, the mistakes Peter made, the, the mistakes all of us made are there so, so that we can understand it. We don't have to do that. You see that? That's why you need to study the Word of God. That's why you've got to read the Old Testament, even though it's sometimes difficult, as Paul alluded to. You're going to get bogged down sometimes in Leviticus and, and Deuteronomy and, and the Chronicles as they list names and names and for pages and pages. But see, we read the Word because the Word is our protection because it's what? It's the truth of God. And so truth builds relationships. Uh, Faith-based faith truth is the basis for trusting each other. And see, the reason we trust each other is because we have faith. I want to ask you today, do you honestly have faith? Do you sometimes question that. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about faith. In the 1860, there was a man named Blondin. I know that Dave's going to have heard of Blondin. Dave Mondo will have heard of him, but have any of the rest of you ever heard of him? Good. That means this illustration will work. As long as Dave keeps his mouth shut. <laughs> That's that takes faith for me to say that. <laughs> okay. In the 1860s, there was a famous tightrope walker named Blondin. He went to Niagara Falls to put on a three-day show. Blondin stretched the tightrope across the falls and for two days walked this rope, drawing a tremendous crowd. And he did it several times back and forth. I mean, it's like six or eight times he did it, walked back and forth on this rope. On the third day, he there's all kinds of different accounts of this, but this is a little bit different. The one I other one I read is that on the third day he took a wheelbarrow and walked it across and back. And then with a load of rocks in it. So just think about that, but I'm going to read this. On the third day he said he was going to walk the, the rope blindfolded and pushing a wheelbarrow. And he did that. 
Before he tried this feat, the way this account says, he went among the crowd and asked, do you believe I can do this? Now, they've seen him do so many amazing things. I mean, he cooked an omelet out there in the middle of the, on a little stove that they hoisted up there, and he cooked an omelet and fed it to the boat down below. and Just crazy stuff that he was doing. And, and, and there wasn't anyone in the crowd who doubted. So he climbed up on the rope and he asked, okay, who will come up and get into the wheelbarrow? Okay, that changed it just a little bit. How many do you think volunteered? Okay, now they believed that he could do it. They, they saw him do all kinds of things. They all were absolutely sure. And so, you know, could you do it? They all raised their hand. You know, can God do it? We all raise our hand. But what is faith about? It's about getting into the wheelbarrow. Can you see me through this? Can you walk with me as I'm going through this struggle in my life? Or, or, or can you help me have the wisdom to pull this off or whatever it might be? Uh, is this the right thing? We ask that question so many times. The, the answer to the question is nobody volunteered except for one person, according to this account. Take a guess who that was. I said he was smart. I didn't say he was crazy. <laughs> According to this account of it, it was his five-year-old daughter. She volunteered. Now, the fact of the matter is that he took his business manager who got on his back and he walked across Niagara Falls with him on his back. So, I mean, this guy had shown a lot to these people, but yet when it came right down to it, I wouldn't have got in that wheelbarrow. I'll be honest about that. I wouldn't have done that. But I'll tell you, we've got to be thinking about our faith in God. Do we really believe that he can handle what he says he can? Which, by the way, is, what does God say he can handle? Everything. <laughs> he can handle it all. But we have to believe it, don't we? So, the first thing is to realize your relationship to God. Tell yourself the truth. Understand He forgives you. Understand He loves you. Tell you. Understand He cares about you. He's walking with you through whatever you're going through right now. But you've got you to talk yourself out of some of that negativity that pops into all of our heads from time to time. You've got you to realize that we believe this. It's true. And if you stop and think about your own life, you know it's true because He's done it many, many times before. And I, I would not hesitate to ask any one of you that question. I know you would think of a time where God has saw you through something you just didn't think he could ever do, but he did. And all, if you don't have those times, just look at the Bible and see what he's done because he does it over and over and over again. So the second thing that I see here in Ephesians that's really kind of important is he, he begins to talk to us and, and Ephesians does this over and over again as we've studied this. We see that he'll tell us a trait we should have. Here the trait is to not be lying, to tell the truth. And then he lists a whole lot of examples of, of how we might not be doing that right. Have you noticed that as we went through this book? If you go back and read it, There's just, it's a real short. Read the book and just look how many times he points out a list of things 
As Christians, you shouldn't be doing those things. And so he does that here. He says uh, that, you know, in verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. I won't ask you to raise your hand, nor give place to the devil. I won't ask you to raise your hand. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that we may have something to give him who has need. See, we, we, can, we realize that these things are things that challenge us, right? Be angry and don't sin. Then it goes on, it says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Whoa, what? Let no corrupt word come out of your mouth. Now, we talked about this on Wednesday night, but we, I talked about it a lot. Um, have you ever been tempted to talk trash? <laughs> you know, we see it in sports all the time, somebody talking trash, you know, we call psyching the guy out. But I'm talking trash. You ever talk trash? When's the last time you drove your car? You ever talk trash when you're driving your car? Have you ever said, you idiot? You ever done that? How many have ever done that? Wow. There's... <laughs> yeah, I, I've done it. Uh, you know, I've done it. And so I want you to think about this a little different. You're driving to church this morning, and this guy comes by, and he cuts you off, and, and uh, you say, you idiot. Don't you know how to drive? Where'd you get your driver's license? Woolworths or 5 and 10 or, you know, what? They mail it to you from Amazon, or what's the deal, you know? And so the guy turns, and he goes on down to the church, and you pull in behind him, and, and you look, and lo and behold, I get out of the car. <laughs> okay, so... The truth is, you think I'm an idiot, right? And you'd be right. But, but the thing is, is that what you're going to tell me then? So should have you told me that earlier. Because I'll guarantee you if it was the reversal and, and one of you gets out of the car, I'm not going to tell you you're an idiot. I'm going to say, bless your heart. <laughs> That's our personal joke. But do you see that? See, this is saying, let no corrupt word come out of your mouth. And, that, and that's, uh, there's a whole lot more other stuff can, that can be put into that category that's a lot worse than that. But see, we need to kind of figure that out. We need to understand that, that when we're talking to somebody, we're, we're talking to somebody's wife or somebody's husband or somebody's daughter or son. You know, that we don't need to be like that, but, but we struggle with it. That's, that's the point of this. We struggle with it. The more we understand that we have self-worth in God and that God loves us, the, the less we're going to struggle with that. The more we realize that we don't have to worry about whether somebody drives like an idiot or not. You know, we got to watch out for them. But we don't have to get bent out of shape and talk trash about it. We sure don't have to cuss them out or do something like that. See, it shouldn't matter to us. We should be able to control that. That's, 
That's what Ephesians is, is talking about. You're a new creation. You're not the same way as you used to be. So I know this is a challenging sermon, but how much of that are we taking to the bank? How much of that are we living in faith? How much of that are we trusting? And, and I'm preaching to myself as well, you know, but we've got to try to get a hold of that. I've been struggling with this my whole life. I guess that's why I thought I'd talk about it. To get a hold of this. It's very, very difficult to get a hold of it. But realize this. I'm not saying if you called somebody an idiot that you're an idiot. (laughs) I'm saying that God can forgive you for that. And I'm also saying that God can improve our attitudes about things. That he can make us grow and and do better. And the more that we hold ourselves accountable, the better we're going to do at growing. See, don't give place to the devil. That's a simple little thing. Don't give place to him. Third idea is try speaking the truth with grace. It will change you. And it says this in, in verse 32. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. God's grace brings with it forgiveness. And, it, and this forgiveness is the forgiveness that only God gives. Only God can give this. In Hebrews 8.12, it says, I will remember their sins no more. Now, think about that for a moment. Have you ever took that into your mind and thought about it for a minute? God knows everything, right? He knows your sins. He knows what you've done. But the bottom line is, he's never going to hold them against you if you're under the blood of Jesus Christ. They're forgiven. His holiness and the debt is paid. But how many times have your mistakes hindered you from going into the future in the right way? From from forgiving yourself. See, you're not telling yourself the truth at that point. You're not telling yourself the truth. And we're called to tell ourselves the truth. See, God is the one that will do that. But we don't oftentimes do that with ourselves. You ever been there? I won't ask you to raise your hand. I still feel edified about that idiot thing, that you all raised your hand on that one. (laughs) First time in the history of the church, except for there were two that didn't. And I know who you are. I marked you. (laughs) I saw both of you. You're sitting right there looking at me right now with smiles on your faces. I will be talking to you afterwards. But see, God is faithful to do what he says. And this grace that God offers gives us access to come into the throne room before God with boldness, as it says in Hebrews, that that we have access to God. That's the truth, that he's forgiven us. So do you have grace-filled forgiveness? Are, Are you being honest about your forgiveness? Have you forgiven other people that you need to forgive? Uh, Are you kind of being the ones that, yeah, no problem, but it comes back up again and again and again. That can happen, and it needs to change. So forgiveness should change things, and it rests in honesty. Be honest 
about it. Be honest about it. Put it behind you. What does it say? Don't let your, the sun go down on your wrath. Hard one. All of this is hard. All of this takes faith and trust and confidence in God. But the forgiveness sets people free because it allows them to move forward, to change, and to do something different. It restores relationships, and it allows for ministry to return. Again, I want to challenge you with this. Is your biggest problem about forgiveness because you think somebody else didn't forgive you? Or is your biggest challenge that you haven't accepted the truth that God has forgiven you? Good question to ask. Because he has, and he said he would. So let's stand. We're going to have our invitation hymn. There's a decision to be made. We're going to ask you to come as we sing today. Just be singing one verse of the invitation. So if you have a decision, we'd ask you to step out. It's a time to make a decision that you're going to follow Jesus, maybe for the first time. Uh, if you need a prayer, if you need to share, whatever, we're going to give you the opportunity to come as we sing.